Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Mr. Austin Hartsfield. What's going on, Austin? How are you doing? Finally, a guest that I've had and that you've had. <laughs> yes, finally, uh, a guest that we both have had on our podcast. Uh, second time on the EVT podcast. It's been a while, though. Uh, Mr. Robert Murray is with us. What's going on, Robert? How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I think Austin's uh, surviving out in Texas. Uh, we're excited excited to talk to you, man. You broke some uh, Padre-relevant news yesterday. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, Jerkson Profar for Austin Allen and a player to be named later uh, came through the trade wire yesterday. Um, give us a little bit about how something like that comes to your attention. I mean, it's not a Brewers-related trade per se, but... How does something, information like that, I mean, without giving up your, your sources, uh, obviously, but how does something like that come across your, your eyes? Yeah, you try to have a pulse on everything that goes on throughout the league. And uh-huh. that one basically came out of me or came to me out of nowhere. Um, I was actually driving home from, um, from visiting my parents, actually. And I, was, I looked at my phone and I had a text saying, Profar to the Padres. And I texted somebody who would who would know, and he responded uh-huh. with, "Yeah, that's true." And actually, as I was tweeting it, um, I had a cop behind me, and he <laughs> turned on he turned on his lights actually, and I pull over. I'm still like stupidly, I'm tweeting it as this cop is has his lights on behind me. What well, he ends up zooming by me, and I end up getting the scoop Ooh. out. But um, but as I said, you try to have a pulse on everything, but but that one kind of came to me out of. Uh, I was just in the right place at the right time. So I'm very fortunate for that. Awesome. Awesome. So give us a little bit of thoughts about Profar and, and just the trade in general, maybe a little bit about Austin Allen, if you're familiar with the left-handed catcher. Yeah. Um, with Allen, a lot of the people that I've talked to believe that he's more of a designated hitter type. So this kind of makes sense for uh, for the athletics and inquiring him and the Padres for also trading him too. But um, the, the big piece in this one is Profar, obviously, and he provides depth in the infield for the Padres that they really needed. Um, but he's been a bit up and down. I don't know if he's necessarily lived up to the hype that he had coming up when he was with the Rangers, but um, he certainly provides um, another talented piece. I don't think this necessarily um, says that they're done addressing the infield. I think if the right opportunity presents itself, that they're going to end up uh, trying to add some more pieces, but what he does provide um, is a guy with really good play discipline, um, and he's a, a solid bat. Uh, he's not going to hit for the power that he did a couple of years ago, but um, and he's also an okay defender with an with an okay arm. But um, uh, I, I would call him like an average piece, is what the scouting community is is basically saying. But he's got upside, uh, so I think yeah. it's a smart move for the Padres, considering they didn't really give up too much for him. Yeah, he had pretty ridiculous numbers last season against right-handed hitters and had a pretty decent second half. So um, there's a little bit of concern being that he's only signed for one year. Uh, Do you think that the A's were going to DFA him 
yesterday. Do you think that that was a possibility? Uh, I know that's been a little bit of a talk or speculation among Padres fans. Yeah, that is the that's what I think is that he, they were going to end up not tendering him. Um, uh-huh. I, I think that was going to end up being the case for for Profar, and they ended up adding a, a nice piece in return uh, okay. with Austin Allen. But yeah, I, I think this was the Padres kind of just finding uh, a really good fit, and they didn't want him to to be exposed to the free agent market where they would actually have more competition. And they they parted with a piece that they thought was was expendable, and they ended up getting Profar, who AJ Preller. Uh, has wanted for a very long time. Yeah, he has. There's been rumors of of, of him coveting the the infielder for a long time. Uh, the second base market is pretty deep right now. There's a lot of uh, players that were non-tendered, a lot of pending free agents, a lot of free agents. Uh, the Padres and Brewers pulled off a deal uh, last week, which was pretty interesting. Um, obviously, you were the former beat writer for The Athletic covering the Brewers day-to-day. Uh, you had a lot of... Uh, interaction with Grissom and Zach Davies. Uh, let's first talk about the trade in general and just your immediate thoughts when you heard about the trade. Yeah, I was I was confused when that trade happened. Um, I mean, I know that the Padres have coveted Trent Grissom for some time now. They really wanted him at the trade deadline. Um, but the Brewers went into this offseason considering Grissom to be a piece that uh, was going to end up being a long-term asset for them. And they had no intentions of trading him. And, and they ended up identifying a surplus in their outfield. Um, since they have uh, Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Kane, and Ryan Braun there, they also have Ben Gamble. They also have Tristan Lutz in the minors, too. So they have pieces there. Um, and Grisham was a guy that they thought they could trade and try to improve their infield depth, specifically the shortstop spot or even third base. And that's what Luis Urias provides. But um, it was a huge surprise to me that this trade ended up happening because there was no whispers of this or of any of these talks happening in the off season. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Dennis Lynn and I reported pretty extensively that, uh, they were in, engaged in pretty heavy talks during the season, but nothing came of it. Um, mm-hmm. but now this ends up, uh, this ends up improving both teams. It was a surprising trade, but as both sides have really said, while it wasn't, it's not going to end up being the deal that's that leaves you. It's not the deal that leaves you comfortable on either side after making this kind of a trade, but it's a good baseball trade at the end of the day. Yeah, you you mentioned that Lynn and you had uh, had speculation of, of a possible interest in Grissom in July. Uh, I guess that was right before the trade deadline or anything. Any specul any specifics on that trade or anything? Were the Brewers looking at Luis Arias at the time? I mean, they're. It, it, like you said, it seems like an odd fit, but just give me if you had anything, any speculation or anything uh, last uh, trade deadline on Grissom. Yeah, I know the Brewers were interested in some of the Padres relievers, and I'm sure okay, that Kirby okay. Yates was was there. Um, okay. I, they have a couple of guys, but I don't know if it, if it was exactly Grissom for those relievers or, or anything. But um, yeah, it ended up turning out to be Grissom for Luis Urias. And I mean, there was other pieces in this deal, too, but. Those are the two headliners, and um, those are obviously some very big prospects. So from the Brewers' perspective, not necessarily the Padres' perspective, this should pretty much solidify the middle of that infield for the for the years to come, right, with Hira and Urias at this point? Yeah, that's the assumption, or that's the assumption we're under right now, but I wouldn't be a surprise if the Brewers tried to add another infield piece, maybe a third base or a shortstop, so they can have um, one of those guys implanted at one position. Um, for the entire season, but 
if the season were to start today, I do think it would end up being Urias at, um, at shortstop and then Keston here at second base. And I know there might be some defensive issues there, but from an offensive perspective, I think there might end up being um, that might end up being one of the better uh, middle infields in baseball. That's a lot of hit tool right there between those two. Yeah. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's gonna. that's exactly what the Brewers are envisioning, is is that exactly. Let's go to the Padres' perspective. What exactly are they getting out of Trent Grisham? Yeah, Grisham is a guy that, uh, like, defensively, um, he can end up playing all three off-field positions, and he can play them really well, too. And a huge draw that one was touted by scouts before he was even called up by the Brewers, and then you could really see once he was called up, was his throwing arm. He's got a really good arm and it's an accurate arm too um i know whenever we talk about trent grisham's defense the play in the playoffs against the nationals um in the eighth inning that ended up costing the brewers a wild card game is gonna end up being brought up and that's fair that's fair but before that he really displayed um some real he looked very comfortable out there and he looked like he belonged to that he could play in the outfield at at an above average level um for the brewers he mainly played right field he can play center, and he. I think that's going to be end up being a spot is center field. But I also wouldn't rule him out playing left field either. Um, but offensively too, in the minor leagues the last couple of years he's really struggled, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was noticeable how much he dropped. And he was really falling down uh, the prospect rankings. But what he ended up doing this past year is going back to his original back grip. Um, he basically holds it or coming up through baseball. He was, he was holding the bat like he would a golf club. Um, and when he went back to that, yeah, exactly. With his, with his thumbs. Um, and he ended up doing that or going back to it this past season and it unlocked everything. His power came back and he was, he he basically became a new hitter. And, um, that's that's what he, he was got, doing in high school, right? That's that's what he put up those gaudy numbers in as a junior in high school was with that grip, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, and when he went back to it this year, it just ex- he exploded. And when he came up to the big leagues, he basically picked up right where he left off, Ugh. and he be, yeah, he ended up. I, you're not going to be able to adequately replace or replicate, I should say, uh, Christian Yelich's numbers, but he really kind of helped yeah. mask yeah. the loss of Yelich. And without yeah. him, they're not making the playoffs. So yeah. he's, he's, he's good. He's very good. Yeah. You got to feel for the kid with a grip like that and, and coming up as an 18 year old. And, you know, that's not something that I'm sure the coach's eyes want to just kind of bugged out of their eye, their, their, their eye sockets when they saw him swing like that. And, and they made him change. And it's tough for an 18 year old kid. You're, you're, you got to do what the coaches tell you, whether you're a first round pick or not, if they're telling you to change your grip, you do it. And, it's it's pretty cool that it took three or four years for him to to kind of amend himself and because I mean the plate discipline's always been there right Robert he's always been a guy who's drawn a walk and had the ability to to work the count correct that's right yeah and and not to or I, I want to expand on this too yeah, yeah the fact that um or the reason why he ended up following along with what the coaches with the Brewers or the player development people what they wanted him to do with his with his grip and going mm-hmm. to a more conventional one was because he wanted to show he was coachable. And yes, he said, yeah. and, he, and he said that was, those were some of the, his darkest days with Ugh. how he was struggling and he lost his confidence. And, Ugh. um, and then when he went back to the, that old grip, everything changed. And yeah. 
it fueled that breakout and and uh and without it this trade does not happen because he went no. from a guy that was really highly touted to falling down to now right back where he was originally if not higher yeah. um and this- his upside is is very high and they were not the only or the Padres were not the only team that was after Grisham there he he was the guy that ended up drawing quite a bit of interest it's it's good to hear i mean it's it's like it's tough like i say that he had to go through this but the struggles in the minors and the struggles as a player you know i got he hit 450 500 in 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 high school and was at the top of his mental game and it takes struggles like this for a player to get to the next level and to kind of be able to just cultivate themselves and be a better player and it's awesome that he's embraced uh his old batting stance um talk a little bit about the fact that he's making contact out in front more that's something that the brewers also uh wanted to see him be a little more aggressive early in the counts and not let the ball travel so much and and kind of get a a little better contact uh angle if you were contact uh location uh if you have any insight on that that would be great as well robert yeah that was a huge focus for them and that's something they actually really uh, the Brewers try to instill in their hitters is having a better contact point out in front of the ball. And okay. that's where they believe the launch angle comes into play. And um, it, it ended up working out for Grisham because his, his power numbers have really gone up in the last couple of years. Or actually, this past year, I should say. Um, and, and that's something that he really made his focus um, coming into the year. And he basically did it seamlessly. And it led, along with the the new hand grip, um, mm-hmm. it it got, it just was those two put together really kind of unlocked his breakout year. But but yeah, you're gonna end up noticing that because early on he would end up not even taking the bat off of his shoulders. Uh, he would not wow. even swing. Um, wow. But but now um, he's much more aggressive and and swinging early in the count and also getting out in front of the ball more to get that launch angle. It's it's good that he's able to. to keep his aggression at the same time, still be able to draw some walks, which is, which is perfect for what the Padres are looking for. Uh, last thing on, on Trent Grisham, give us a little bit about his character and what type of person he is. I know you've interacted with him plenty uh, in the past few years. Yeah, he's a really good dude. And I, I got to know him pretty well because uh, when you're the same player, when you're the same age as these guys, uh, you can interact with them on a, on yep. a different way. And, yeah. Um, I, I got to know him pretty good and he was, he's very nice. He's very down to earth. He's, he's quiet. Um, he's when you put the mm-hmm. camera on him, uh, or when you put the microphone on him, I should say, um, he, he's quiet. He's reserved. Um, he doesn't say too much. He's not a rah-rah guy, but, um, he is very self-aware and he knows what exactly he needs to improve on or, or what's being said. Um, but the, he's exactly the kind of guy that, I think AJ Preller would like because Preller is big into baseball character and adding um, high work ethic kind of guys. And that's exactly what Grisham is. And I think he's got enough fitting seamlessly over there. Let's talk about the other piece in that trade, which is Zach Davies. Of course, Zach Davies fills the need for this Padres organization. What does what, what kind of explain to Padre fans what they're getting with Zach Davies? Yeah, Davies, he's shown that he can end up pitching really effectively. Mm-hmm. And this past year, he started out the year um very well um he, he ended up he was finally healthy um after a back injury that he dealt with all last year or for most of last year i should say and he was basically the brewer's best pitcher when they needed him most uh because yelise chasin was struggling chase anderson was 
Um, he started off in the bullpen and he was, he was their number five starter and he ended up becoming their number one guy throughout the first half of the year, but he ended up regressing a little bit, uh, toward the end of the year. And he mm-hmm. basically, he, he's a, what he's going to end up providing the Padres is, is he's going to end up being a really, he's going to be a solid, um, back end of the rotation piece. I don't think you can expect anything really too much more from him throughout the entire year. Um, but he's, He's basically a location guy, and if he's pinpointing his pitches or if he's spotting his fastball properly, he's going to be very good. But the second that he does not locate those pitches, he's going to be in trouble because uh, he does not have the velocity that can sneak by hitters or anything. Um, but I, I think he's a nice piece for the Padres to have, um, considering they're going to they're trying to be more competitive this next year, um, and he's another he's exactly like Grisham in the fact that he's a high character guy and he was always trying to help out his teammates. He was, he was working with like, I, I think this is a really prime example of, of the kind of character or the kind of person that Zach Davies is, is during spring training when he was competing with Chase Anderson, um, those two were always together. They were laughing. They were friends and they're the closest of friends, even in um, the middle of, a heated battle for the fifth spot in the rotation. Um, he, those, those guys handled it perfectly. And uh, that's the kind of moment that can separate people. And they ended up, it ended up bringing them closer together. So I think like Grisham, he's going to end up being another strong locker room presence. I'm curious to see how the Brewers replace them. But from the locker room perspective, I think the Padres got a lot better with this because those are two high character guys. What are we looking at in terms of, repertoire i know he has that nasty change i mean the, those videos have been going all around padre twitter since the trade happened but what else is he working with yeah he's that change up you mentioned is is his pitch um uh, fastball mostly too he can throw a sinker in there as well um but I, I i can't remember he throws another pitch i can't remember off the top of my head for some reason but um that that change up you mentioned is is his pitch but um, it all starts with with the fastball for him. If he's not locating that fastball, it's going to end up being a struggle for him. But if he can locate those pitches, as I said before, he'll end up being in good shape. But he's he's working with uh, some pretty good pitches there, and um, yeah, it just it all comes down to location for Davies. And if if he can locate, he'll be fine. But if not, that's when he's going to get in trouble. Okay, when you say location, does he get a little wild in the zone? Is that what it is? Because his walk numbers aren't aren't horrible i mean give us elaborate a little bit about um location for him and what what needs to happen for him to succeed yeah like hitting the corners is is mostly the thing with him okay because if if he's missing it's gonna end up being over the plate and that's when hitters really capitalize with hard hit or hard hit rate and and everything like that and um but yeah walks have never really been an issue for him it's just a lot of that hard contact Okay. Okay. Uh, interesting on what you think or how you think Larry Rothschild will have uh, any influence on him or what influence he'll bring uh, to the Padres staff in general. Yeah, that was a really good hire. Um, I know okay. that that uh, the Yankees were um, or the Yankee fans that soured on him just because he'd, he'd been there for a while. And they hadn't really seen the results recently that they would have liked, but um, he's a highly respected pitching coach, and I think he's going to end up benefiting a lot of those guys. I, I even look at a guy like Matt Strom, um, who I think is uber talented. I think he can yeah. really try to bring out the, the most in him. Because um, okay. I've, I've had my eyes on Strom since he was traded over from, from the Royals. And I think there's a lot more in there. But for, if, we're, if we're sticking with 
uh, Zach Davies, I, I certainly think that his influence can help because I know Derek Johnson helped him a lot uh, okay. when he was with when he was with Milwaukee. But I, I okay. think Rothschild can also have a big impact too. Nice. I've I've heard a lot of good things about Davies. He's he's already interacted with uh, Padre fans on social media, which is always a positive for this uh, franchise. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the personality of him. I know he's big influence in uh, the Humane Society and, and animal rights and stuff like that. Uh, anything else uh, in particular on Davies as far as the type of person he is? Yeah, if with him, you mentioned it. It's the Humane Society and working with animals and, and specifically uh-huh. dogs. Uh, dogs are very near and dear to his heart. Um, and okay. he does a okay. lot for um, along with his wife. And they really made a huge impact. Uh, both in Arizona where he lives and in Milwaukee too. Um, but in the locker room as well, uh, he's just, uh, he's got a huge impact, uh, really good guy. Um, players always liked him. He's, he's quiet and reserved. Yeah, I don't want to say he's shy, but um, he's, he's just laid back and, and down to earth. And the, the kind of guy where you can just go up to him and start talking for 20 minutes and um, awesome. just a, a really nice guy. So I, I think he's going to end up having, He's going to be a nice addition for the Padres, both inside the clubhouse and on the field as well. You're really the perfect guy to have on right now to talk about Drew Pomeranz. Because, <laughs> like, could we have anybody better on? I mean, what was his impact out of the pen once he once he transitioned over? And, you know, what do you think he has left? Yeah, I, I feel like uh, there might be some that might characterize his impact on the Brewers as significant. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he was when the Brewers acquired him. That was um, a very puzzling move because he was an expiring contract, and he was coming along with Ray Black in exchange for one of their top prospects, in Mauricio Dubon. And the Brewers had seen what Pomeranz was able to do in uh, a short time in the bullpen in San Francisco, and they thought they were going to end up buying even low on this guy. Because, uh, I mean, they were high on Dubon, but they thought that Pomeranz could really end up bringing that bullpen to the next level and take some weight off of Josh Hader. And that's exactly what happened, is his velocity went up two to three miles an hour on his fastball, and he was locating, he was blowing hitters away, and his strikeout rate was ridiculously high. And he actually, by the end of the year, had become their best reliever. I even think over Josh Hader, because I know Hader was, was, was good, he was really good, but he was susceptible to that home run ball. And Pomeranz was not being hit at all. Um, and that, I don't think anyone could have really seen coming. And the Brewers even knew coming into the offseason that after what he had shown last year, that he was going to end up landing a lucrative deal. And they tried to bring him back, but the interest in him was was strong. And he had multiple three-year offers on the table. But once the Potters went to a fourth year and got to uh, – an average or money per year kind of basis that they liked or that he and his representatives liked, they ended up pouncing on it. And the Padres, I know AJ Preller said it after they signed them, but going to that fourth year deal really kind of stood them apart from other people or from other teams. Um, but Pomeranz is, I, w- I would say pairing him with Kirby Yates in the late innings and you add some other guys into that mix as well. Um, I think that's a, one of the better one-two punches in the bullpen in, in baseball. Um, and I think if I would have, if you would tell me, I would have said that, um, or if you would have told me a year ago that I would be saying this about Drew Pomeranz, I would have told you you're crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he is a completely different guy out of the bullpen, 
And uh, this, that was a really, it was, it was a good move. I don't know if he's going to end up being that kind of guy for four years, but um, if you can get at least two years out of Pomeranz where he's at that elite level, I think that's a win. And uh, that's the, that's the risk that Preller was taking with this deal. Sure. You got to think that physically he's going to be able to hold up pitching less innings. I mean, he's never been a durable pitcher throughout his, his major league career, but um, you mentioned earlier about the velocity uptick. Up, up uh, I had read somewhere that he scrapped uh, his pitches and just went down to a curve and a fastball and uh, had a little bit of a, a mechanical issue that he worked out in, 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 in his uh, release point and follow through uh, velocity got up to 94, 95. Give me a little bit about that. And, and just, just, I, I don't know. I mean, you talked so much about already how important he was for the Brewers in the playoff race. I, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just wondering if, like you mentioned, if he's going to be able to sustain this type of dominance. You know, is this the next great left-handed reliever out of out of the bullpen, or is this just an an aberration? Like, give me a little bit more on that, if you could, Robert. Yeah, um, the key for Pomeranz in Milwaukee. Um, I mean, he obviously made some mechanical adjustments here and there, and um, but the the big thing with him was the Brewers were able to give him adequate rest, and they were very careful with how they used him and how they deployed him. It's basically like how they were with Josh Hader, um, is they they try to give these guys rest so they're they're most effective, and it ended up working. It was a successful formula, um, and it allowed Pomeranz to be at his best. And to answer your question about whether or not this is sustainable, I am, I, I, I believe that is yes. Okay. Um, I know that was a question the Brewers had when they were evaluating him in the offseason and whether or not how aggressively to pursue him. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a pure talent perspective and what he was able to do, I would be optimistic about what, about his chances of replicating it. Maybe not to the exact level of what he did this past second half of the year, but um, maybe something close to it because he was he was good and he basically never wavered from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he had one moment where he ended up giving up a, a big hit, but I can't remember even another one off the top of my head. And it, he was just consistent after consistent outing for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think with what I saw last year and the amount of interest from from teams, especially analytical teams, um, that are also at the top of the class when it comes to that kind of thing in baseball. Um, that would give me reason for optimism for, for Pomeranz and his, his outlook going forward. Yeah. The, the Padres bullpen is looking pretty good. I mean, you mentioned Yates obviously in Pomeranz and then you have uh, Andres Munoz throwing 102, 103 miles per hour at the bullpen as well. So uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty interesting in San Diego to watch this team. AJ Preller has certainly been very active uh, before we started recording. You and I talked about, Preller and his uh, offseason so far and how it's been uh, momentous, I guess. Uh, give us just a, some thoughts on A.J. Preller, maybe some industry thoughts, just what, what people are saying about him and, and in particular San Diego Padres franchise and how it's kind of turning the corner as far as relevancy. Yeah, um, the, the industry opinion on Preller is that he is a very aggressive GM and mm-hmm. there is he's always looking to make a deal. And he tries to, he always tries to find value and um, maybe he didn't end up quote unquote winning the trade with the Brewers. But I think that was a deal where you can really consider it a good deal for both sides. 
and the profile trait was him identifying value. Um, and that's exactly what he does is those kind of things. And, um, and basically whenever you talk about AJ Preller with people in baseball is this off season, they are going to be uber aggressive. And that even means after these moves, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for the Padres is I think they're going to try to find a lot of different ways to improve their team. I would not be surprised if they continue to add to their, their infield, especially even in the rotation too. Um, I, I think we're going to end up seeing some moves, maybe not like a Garrett Cole or, or anything like that. I mean, I know they have interest in Steve, Steven Strasburg, but um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't imagine this offseason ending without probably making a couple of couple of more moves, especially possibly even another big one. Um, what exactly that's going to be, I don't know, but that's what the, the people in the industry are expecting is the Padres to be very aggressive and, and Preller to go all out because who knows if the season doesn't go right. Maybe his, his seat becomes warm and uh, we start to wonder if the Padres are going to try to replace him. But as yeah. we've gotten to see, he's going to end up being, he's going to end up being aggressive. He's done it early on. I would, I would continue to expect that as the off season goes on. Uh, and I know, as I said before, that's what baseball people are expecting. Yeah, he's he's certainly aggressive. You can you you know that for a fact. He's uh, got his his feelers out for it seems like everybody. I mean, he doesn't leave any stone unturned. Um, you have to respect that about them. And I was just curious what other people thought about that. If whether or not he annoyed some uh, general managers, it's it's uh, that type of personality can be. Uh, people either admire it or they get annoyed by it. I, I would imagine, right? Yeah, he, no, he. I, I've not heard of anyone that gets annoyed by it. But okay, okay, they're all um, passionate about baseball. Yeah, exactly. He's he's let's just say from the things I've heard, he he's a tireless worker, and he'll uh, he'll even be thinking the deals at at three in the morning. Let's just let's just I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's hey, he's he's uh he's doing his job. That's that's all you need uh, to hear. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned Garrett Cole, you mentioned Steven Strasburg, huge free agents this this season. Uh, there's another huge free agent coming out there. And that's you, Mr. Robert Murray, is currently a free agent. And uh, from what I hear, you have a couple of feelers out there and, and should be uh, in San Diego or will be in San Diego next week, uh, hopefully finalizing some some contracts. Right, Robert? Yeah, that's right. We'll uh, we'll see what we can end up doing. But, yeah, I'll be out in San Diego um, for the for the winter meetings starting on, on Monday. And, uh, yeah, meet with some folks and. I'm going to catch up with a lot of different people, and um, I'm very excited for it. Hopefully, we're able to have a landing spot in the near future here. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm confident that you will. Give us a little bit about your time uh, at at the at the athletic and and the just the grind of being a beat writer and covering a team uh, on a daily basis. I don't think a lot of people really realize uh, the grind that it is for media persons like yourself to go out there every day and perform adequately and cover this team. Yeah, the, covering a baseball team is is a lot of work. It requires a lot of sacrifice, and even in the middle of family events, having to write a story or take a phone call yep. or yep. Um, or just or do whatever it takes to be the best at your job. Um, and that, that was not something I realized when I joined, but I quickly realized it. And I give a lot of credit to the, the people that have done it for 30 to 40 to 50 years. Um but if we're talking about my time at the athletic, um, I met a lot of really great people and I worked with some people that I, that I idolized. And one of them was Ken Rosenthal. Um, 
and I, I cannot say enough good things about Ken. Um, what he's done for my career. Um, I, I was able to thank him at the GM meetings earlier this year in Scottsdale. Awesome. And I, I just, I pulled him aside and just said, thank you for everything. And, um, cause yeah, he taught me a lot of things I would have never even thought about. And Mark nice. Carrick too, C. Trent Rosecrans. Um, basically every single person I worked with at the athletic was awesome. That's, That's fantastic. um, yeah, it's a special place with special people. And, um, I, I'll, I'll never forget that experience. And I'm, I'm that being said, um, I'm still friends with all those guys and I text and whatever with them and talk to them on the phone. And, uh, yeah, it was a life changing experience with some really great people. And yeah, it might be over, but, um, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah that's something I'll never forget for sure. I'm, I'll, I'll forever be grateful for those guys. For sure. I mean, you, you know, never say it's over because baseball is like life and, and sometimes things work out and circle back. So you're still a relatively young man. Who knows? You could be uh, you could be anything. Any doors can open for you. So um, oh, we'll yeah. just keep we'll just keep positive thoughts out for you, Robert. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add uh, about the players that uh, the Padres acquired this week or anything in particular? Yeah, I think we basically just covered it there. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we got it all. Uh, you got the lowdown on what these guys all bring to the table, but awesome, yeah, the, awesome. all of those guys are going to end up being very good additions. I'll tell you that for sure. Yeah, it's good to hear that they're they're great character guys. Uh, I've interacted with Drew Pomerantz in, in 2016 when he was here with the Padres, and he's a another good character guy. And it's it's uh, it's nice that Preller takes that into account. Uh, statistics are very important. What they do on the field is very important, but you got to be able to live eight months out of the year with these guys and perform on a daily basis and and be motivated. And uh, I think the Padres are slowly working their way towards that. So uh, we will hope for success for this team. Uh, Mr. Robert Murray, thank you so much for your time. This, this couldn't have worked out better with, with breaking news yesterday and, and, and the brewers that were recently acquired by this team. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. And we'll talk to you again real soon, Robert. All right. That sounds good to me. I'll possibly see you in San Diego next week. For sure. I'll look, keep a lookout for you, man. All right. It sounds good. Thank you. All right. Uh, we will be right back, folks, after a short break. Welcome back, folks, to episode 116 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, that was an awesome discussion with Robert Murray, wouldn't you say, Austin? Yeah, he's one of my favorite people to talk to in this industry just because he's so knowledgeable. He's so young. You know, he brought up the fact that he's the same age as these players, but he's also the same yeah. age as me. So it's a little... Yeah. It's, kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing when somebody that young is in this industry and just... It is pretty much it running is. the show. It feels like, you yeah. know, when it comes to his, his field, cause he's absolutely spectacular covering the Brewers this year. Yeah. And you know, just the, the little tidbits of information that he gave us about uh, the personalities that the guys have and, and what they like and dislike is, is invaluable stuff that, that, that just is not known yet by Padre fans. And it's, it's good to be able to provide that information to some of you guys out there. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and then, I mean, he, he broke a news trade yesterday and, and tweeted it out while, while, while almost getting pulled over. I mean, where are you going to get information like that, right? I mean, right. it's amazing for a 23-year-old to have the capability that he does. Uh, Robert and I actually were colleagues at one point. We both wrote for Baseball Essential in 2016 uh, when Robert was still a teenager at the time. So it's it's pretty amazing uh, to see him yeah, that's succeeding. Nuts. And, 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 you know, I have all the faith in the world that he's going to find a job this coming week in San Diego. And it'll be exciting to see what he has next on uh, in store for him. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the trade yesterday. 
the profile for Austin Allen trade, as usual, Padres tr- Twitter kind of breaks itself as they, I, I don't know, they are upset because Profar is not necessarily a top value second baseman and he's being paid over $5 million. I, I don't know. Give, give me your thoughts on this trade before I discuss it. Uh, I mean, this is the second consecutive offseason that Jerks and Profar has been traded. Uh, he was pretty good. He wasn't that bad when it comes to OBP-wise. He was just really bad at putting balls in play. But, you know, basically what Preller did is he took a surplus of what he had and a position that, in my opinion, I think Robert's right. I think Austin was destined to be a DH anyway. Uh, and, you know, with Campusano down there, I mean, what can – I mean, maybe – Austin Allen has more power, right? And he's a little bit younger, but I mean, you basically have Luis Torrens who's going to do the exact same thing with better, with being better behind the plate, it feels like. But, you know, you have Camposano, you have Mejia, you have, as of right now, Austin Hedges. Probably took a surplus and got something that he thought that he needed and a prospect that he's really coveted over the years. And this is a guy that's still only 26 years old. And, you know, at one point, everybody thought that he had the tools to be the number one player in baseball. So it's, it's amazing that he's still only 26. Yeah. I mean, you think it feels like he's been, he's I like saw him 25. in Frisco in 2013, I think. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> when you were a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. yeah easily. It, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy how young he is. Um, the defense scares me a little bit. He had a little bit of the yips last year in making throws from second base, a little bit of the Chuck, Knobloch disease. Um, you know, you're right. Austin Allen is probably a first base DH catcher type of player. is is definitely more catered for the, the American League. Um, the player to be named later kind of scares me in this deal. I hope that it's nobody major. I don't want to see someone like a Jordy Barty thrown in to this deal. I think it's already pretty even as it is. Uh, Profar is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. He's motivated, or you'd like to think he's motivated. At 26, 27 next year in his free agent year, and if he has a productive 2020 season, he should be able to cash in. Those are the type of factors that really make a player concentrate and take their games to the next level traditionally. So I think Preller's kind of banking on that. This move, to me, signifies that this Padre team is ready to win now. Jerkson Profar is, is – you don't go out and trade a catcher who you have five years of control with for a, a second baseman in, in this market that's just flooded with second baseman, unless you are really pleased with Profar and you want to win now. And I would – the Padres are going to make more moves. This is yeah. not – this. there's going to be more moves, and they're going to be aggressive. I've, I've heard some stories and heard some stuff that this is just – like Robert had mentioned earlier, that this is just the tip of the iceberg, that they are hell-bent on improving the squad, and there's going to be some major – significant move so we'll just have to wait and see one way to look at this is the Padres got better with this trade yeah you know they filled the you know this not only basically helps the surplus at catcher and kind of clears up the air a little bit there but you know it also adds this you know a guy a utility guy who obviously has the tools was had the tools at least to be the number one prospect in baseball at one point and honestly if he can just figure out a way to find find holes that OBP will shoot up, and that average won't look that bad. Like, if he was hitting, you know, 260, you know, maybe this trade doesn't get done. But, the you know, Preller took, like Robert said, about value. 
You know, you took somebody on an off year at probably their lowest price point possible, uh, their lowest like value point possible, and you went and got him. And if you turn him into a, uh, if you turn him into anything, then this is a bonus. Yeah, and he's better than yeah. Greg Garcia, which is a huge upgrade. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's it's an upgrade for the team. It's taking uh, uh, excess of value in, in the catching position yeah. and, and, and moving it. And I think it, it also buys Owen Miller time. Yes, it doesn't put any pressure on him. Although I would have liked to have seen possibly Yvonne Castillo get an opportunity. But I mean, that's still maybe in the works. You know, anything can happen. They had Five uh, multi-hit games Esteban in a row, by the way. Yes. Five. They had Esteban Quiros as well, Mexican second base. I mean, there's options at second base, so... You know, they they took a surplus and they 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 went out and acquired something they needed, and that's exactly what they did in the Luis Urias trade that was made last week. I mean, the Padres are rich in second base prospects. I mean, if you count all the shortstops that are currently in the minor leagues as potential second basemen, there, there's dozens of potential triple triple A players, minor league, uh, major league players in the system. I mean, Gabriel Arias. Uh, Gabriel Arias, Chukupita uh, Marcano, uh, Jordy Barton. Abrams. Just, like, it just yeah, keeps I, going on. Yeah. Yes. So it's tough to see a young player like Luis Urias, uh, a Mexican player, being dealt. But you really have to like what you see in Trent Grisham. You really have to like his breakout season last year. Uh, left-handed swinger, good speed, able to play center field. It makes sense as far as a baseball trade. I think Preller had indicated that that, that was the first thing he said about this trade. It was that it was a baseball trade. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a trade trying to take advantage of another team or whatever. This is just a straight up baseball trade. He's a left-handed and, OBP guy, which fills a couple of needs. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's it's a. I'm a. There's there's a little bit of reason to be concerned. His four previous seasons prior to this season were horrible. But as we talked with Robert about the golf grip and, and, and the contact out in front has definitely improved him. He did play in the PCL. He did play in San Antonio. The power numbers are going to be a little bit inf- in, inflated. He hit 32 home runs total between AAA and the majors. I wouldn't expect for him to be a 30 home run guy at the major league level. He's only about six foot. He's a sh- short stout guy, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, maybe 20, maybe maybe a little bit over that is probably what you would expect to see from him. But he has OBP tools. He has ex- brings an exciting factor to the game. And again, this is about taking an excess and second base that the Padres have and acquiring left-handed hitting outfielders, which is something they definitely needed. We, we didn't want to see Nick Martini in, in this roster for 2020. You know, I, mean, and I just feel like the earliest relationship had soured. You know, I felt like it was almost time. Well, I mean, we had mentioned it, right? The last couple pods that that the writing was on the wall for him. They, they're they're shopping him. I mean, it, it was pretty obvious. The, I mean, they didn't. The, the indication was that he was going to be moved, and it was it was pretty evident, and and it ended up happening. And, and you know, it's it's tough because it's you business. fall in love with the prospects, but it is business. Um, speaking of which, Eric Lauer was also dealt in the in the trade. Someone who I've dealt a pretty good, who I've developed a pretty good relationship with. It was tough for me to see him traded. Uh, I love what I see from Zach Davies and his ability. He fits well in this rotation. Being that he's a soft tosser, you throw him in in between a, a, a 
a paddock and a lament, and that's just really going to screw up opposing teams' hitters. But I, I, I do love Eric Lauer. I, I love his upside, and, and I know that fans are presently debating on, on whether or not Lauer or Davies, which is better. You know, I, I love Eric Lauer, but I do have to say that Zach Davies is probably a better pitcher at this point in his career, obviously. But I, I just I, – I, at 24, 25 next season for Lauer, I just think that he's – capable of more and we saw that in glimpses at at, at, at times in 2018 and 2019 uh i wish him the best but give me your thoughts on the pitching part of this deal and, and just what you think uh in particular of mr zach davies i think that you have two of the nastiest changeups in baseball on the same pitching staff now between chris paddock and zach davies uh, i wasn't really ever big on lauer you know mm-hmm. i've it's not never been somebody that i'm just I I tune in to watch, but he was definitely a piece. It, it feels like that they had their choice of Lauer or Lucchese, and the Padres just kind of let them. Th- yeah, yeah. You know, who, who knows what 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 was the could have been Quantrill too. The specifics, the specific. Yeah, I I just think that obviously Lauer has the like the least value out of those three that we mentioned: Quantrill, Lucchese, and uh, and himself. It, I, you know. It's hard when you when you deal with these players on on a, on a day to day basis and you develop a friendship with them, friendships with them. It's it's tough, but it's a baseball aspect, and I, I do recognize that Zach Davies does bring a, a like you mentioned a nasty changeup and and a, a low velocity fastball, which again will be nasty for hitters to to deal with when when the night before you're facing mid nineties and, and then you got a ninety mile per hour guy who's sitting in the spots. It, it's it it really screws up timing of hitters. It, 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 having Paddock and Lamette back to back just doesn't have the same feel as putting someone like a Davies mm-hmm. or like a Lucchese in the middle of them and, and kind of just messing with timing. Um, I, I I I just I'm pleased with the fact that they're addressing needs. They're they're going out and they might be minor needs at the time a minor upgrade in the rotation uh, an upgrade in the outfield for for Urias but AJ Preller is definitely doing his his thing and and I would expect to see a lot more moves in, in the coming weeks and, and months of for for this team as they prepare to to really be a relevant team in 2020 and I think that that's their goal it's not like a 500 goal it's it's a goal to actually compete in the NL West and and possibly bring home some sort of trophy from from somewhere you know I, I don't know we'll have to wait and see right yeah well another piece of that is drew pomerantz i mean that that was the first really big one of it, like any signing at least for me uh you know he creates a gauntlet of muñoz pomerantz yates i mean it's going to be hard to, for somebody to beat that you obviously take pomerantz away from somebody like milwaukee so hater doesn't have that to pair up with uh, it's just it's going to be very interesting, and especially if somebody like David Bednar, who if you look at his uh, stats last year when he got to the major leagues, outside of you know pretty much that last start where Arizona blew him up, uh, which is going to happen from time to time, he looked really really good when he was up there, and yeah. it's it's just another piece. I mean, we can he, you know Robert talked about Matt Strom, uh, you know Larry Rothschild's effect that he's going to have on this on this rotation. In this bullpen, I mean, it's, it is going to be a very good bullpen, and I don't think that there's any denying that part of it. Now it's just more working on the rotation aspect of it. 
Yeah, for sure. And and also the addition of Pom Pomeranz makes me speculate that Kirby Yates might also be available if the deal's right because they have a Munoz, they have a Jose Castillo, they have a, a wing enter, they have a Bednar, they they have and, and then there's Baez. the free agency. The buy a, there's there's a free agency. They could go out and, and acquire a high leverage reliever if they if they really wanted to. So I think this gives them more flexibility, and that's what they're looking for. Now they have the the, the horses in the bullpen, mm -hmm. and and if someone wants to overpay for Kirby Yates, then you know Preller's all about dealing when players are at their Same peak value. Yeah. Kirby Yates' value is arguably the most it will ever be. I mean, you're talking about should probably the really, best. Really yeah, he should have been. So he, a team that's really close to competing and that needs a bullpen piece could pay a, an ex, a huge price for it. So we'll have to wait and see what Preller has in store. But I like the fact that he sets himself up for, for success like this. He, you know, he went out and... and and uh, and drafted a bunch of catchers and 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 uh, selected Luis Torrens in the Rule Five. The 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 system is still deep with catching depth, even it's after the losing. It's the most important position on the field with, that's not pitching. Yes, yes. Like, I mean, you have to be able to, especially in a in a time now where everybody's shifting and everything like that. You have to be able to put your guys in places where they're supposed mm -hmm. to be. And the managers do that a lot of time, but sometimes the catchers do it. It's very, very important to have somebody back there that you trust. And when you have a surplus of them, like the Padres had, you can kind of weed them out and see who you like and see which ones you yeah. want to have on this roster. Something that Hedges does very, very well is the defensive side. Now, me, yes. I'm a Mejia person. You know, I know I'm probably in the other 50% of that, but I just don't think that you can replace a switch-hitting catcher if you can improve his defense even just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't even want to get into that debate because I'm a, I'm a Mahedges person. I like both of them, and I think that they can... They can coexist. They can coexist, and they need to coexist. They need to improve each other. And I, I hope that Jace Tingler comes in with this reputation of being a player personnel guy, being able to work with players. Th that's what needs to be done. These two players that... Are are exact polar opposites of each other need to improve each other's game, and I've seen them interact with each other. They they interact with each other. They 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 seem to have a cordial relationship. I wouldn't call them best friends. I wouldn't call them buddies, but they're definitely competing with each other, and and that's tough. But if you want to succeed at the major league level, you need to have two catchers, and they need to have each other's back, and that that that's it. I, it does. It's it's just about the team more than anything and hopefully they they embrace that and and like i say i'm, I'm a hedges person I, I want both of them to play i want both of them to 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 be out there I, I wrote an article last week about using hedges as a defensive closer i think that that would work you put him in the in the seventh inning if they're especially winning and and mcgee has already gotten three at bats then put in hedges in his 25 or 22 runs uh, saved or whatever he's gonna make the defense better you already have a lead. You're preserving that lead. Let, let's think about the future and, and the future of baseball. And this might be something that is implemented by a lot of teams is bringing in. I mean, you already see defensive replacements in the outfield and shortstop and stuff like that. Why not a catcher? You know, who's who's the next big name dude, that, that you think signs in all of baseball? Not necessarily just the Padres, but just Wheeler. Yeah, I think it's Wheeler White Sox. 
good. I, I don't want the Padres to get invested into him. I think that he's someone that's going to – he has he has yet to lose velocity. And you compare him to someone like Madison, Madison Bumgarner who has lost velocity and is still pitching successfully. Wheeler hasn't is still a thrower. He hasn't gone to that pitcher part of his his career yet. Velocity is going to come down. He's going to lose velocity at some point. It might not be now a uh, 2020. It might not be 2022. But if you're talking five, six, seven years into this guy, there's going to be a point where he's going to have to look himself in the mirror and learn how to pitch and learn how to hit his spots and learn how to mix speeds and. That's a that's a fifty fifty thing right there. Some pitchers cannot do that. Some pitchers just can't get past that and want to throw the ball by people. And that's just when you lose velocity, you can't do that. So I, I, if if we're talking Bumgarner and Wheeler, I would definitely prefer the Padres to acquire or sign Bumgarner for a myriad of reasons. I mean, not mentoring Gore would be fantastic. The personality and the fire and just the pissed off pitcher that he is would be awesome for Padre fans to see and would just rub off on a young team. We'll have to wait and wait and see. I've heard that the Padres are still kicking the tires on Bumgarner, so we'll have to wait and see. I, I it's it's tough to be invested a hundred and, and some million dollars into a player as well, uh, especially a pitcher. But I think that the fact that Bumgarner has already transitioned into pitching with decreased velocity is a bonus. So we'll have to wait and it's it's going to be a very interesting winter. Um, what what are your thoughts on uh, Bumgarner versus Wheeler? I think it's cool. Uh, obviously, Zach Wheeler had a pretty dang good year, and it looks like he's just kind of unlocking what he could be, you know, based mm-hmm. on some of the articles. But I mean, I'm really... I mean, if, if he goes to an analytic heavy team, I mean, like the Astros, just yeah, to say that's that. what I'm trying to keep him out of Houston. It would it would, it would unlock a lot from him, but again. I worry about this is guy who's had always had arm troubles. Is is he going to be able to throw 98, 99 consistently for the next five years? And that's just something I really have a hard time believing. And then transitioning into the next pitching, being I able to be a pitcher. people are vastly is, underestimating what Wheeler is going to get when it comes to the Padre well, fandom. He's going to. He should get over a hundred million. He probably will get over. I think. It, I think it's going to be somewhere between like. Maybe four for eighty-eight. Like, and I've seen yep. estimations for fifteen out there. I'm like, y'all are nuts. Like, I don't think you understand how the market works. Because mm, yeah. Cole's it, gonna it, get thirty. Oh yeah, he's gonna get Easy. thirty, and, and and they want eight years or whatever. I don't know if they're gonna get that. Somebody, somebody will come to the table with the eight year, eighth year, and that will get it done. That's usually how yeah. these things work. Yeah, Somebody with, has to push for that extra year, just like the Pomeranz deal that we just talked about. Somebody will come to the table with that extra year, and it'll get it done. Because Boris usually gets what he wants. The only time that he didn't was pretty much the last year with the Keuchel and Kimbrel situations. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. Uh, San Diego is going to be a hotbed next week as the winter meetings will be here. Uh It'll be an exciting time. We'll have to keep you covered. Uh, we have a couple of guests on tap for the coming weeks, a couple of different uh, angles uh, to cover in the, in the farm system and as well as the major league system. Um, thank you, folks, for joining us. This is episode 116 of the East Village Times podcast. Uh, you can follow the website at East Village Times. Uh, 
or at EVT underscore news on Twitter. Uh, I am at EVT underscore Jay Clark and Austin as at Hartsfield PC. Uh, we are the East Village Times podcast and we are signing out.